Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. I think all of us parents can agree that the personalities of our children are evident from birth. Some are gregarious, they love attention and actions, while others are more reticent. It can seem like life is easier for the bold children, and as a result, these children often seem easier to parent. So today we're going to talk about shyness and whether or not there's anything we can do to ease it. With me today, I've got two experts. Dr. Ang Harrod-Rudkin is a clinical psychologist with 15 years of experience working with children, adolescents and families. And Tanith Carey is an award-winning journalist and author who writes about the most pressing challenges facing today's children. Thank you both for coming along. It's great to have you. Um, so I'd love to talk a little bit about what is shyness I mean I think we can all identify it but um, is there a sort of official explanation of what shyness is uh, no is the short answer <laughs> um, it is believed to be a um, characteristic so a personality trait so something that you're born with and that you'll have for your whole lifetime um, but beyond that there hasn't been any more definition of how it gets bigger or smaller or how it changes according to the context um, lots of people describe it as um, hard to warm up or sorry uh, it takes a while to warm up kids or bubble kids um, or just uh, as we've used for 50 years shy kids and do you think children are born shy yes I think um, children are born with different temperaments as, as you've mentioned um, and shyness is something that can start off as a relatively little characteristic but by the way we work with it or handle it as parents it can become a more defining characteristic of that child um well that's very very interesting you've actually sort of answered a lot of the questions that i was going to <laughs> going to ask because it, i think it's really interesting the idea that you can not cure it but you can manage it um and turn it into something that might be go from unmanageable to manageable and so how important is our dealing with shyness how important is our attitude if we have a shy child how important is how we deal with it to that child i think it's really important not to see it as an obstacle i think we have turned it into a um just we've seen it as a bit of a negative trait whereas i think now the research is showing that people who are born shy 
and can they can be encouraged to uh, use those characteristics positively. So shy people tend to be better um, better listeners. They tend to be more empathetic. They tend to be extremely um, useful in the workplace because let's face it, on an evolutionary basis, if we all had big sort of Boruses out there, we wouldn't get much done. So from an evolutionary point of view, we do need those more thoughtful, slightly more risk-averse people in our demographic. So I think it's really important from a parental point of view. We've traditionally seen shyness as a bad thing and something to apologize for on behalf of our child. But I think it's really important from a parental point of view to really see the good things that come out can come out of it as a result. So presumably as sort of parents to sort of discuss the idea of jointly reframing shyness and kind of getting round your head to think this isn't a negative, this is a positive and then, you know, making sure that your child understands that too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we, we shy children are good observers. As Angarad says, they do take a little bit longer to warm up. Um, I don't think we should name, label it negatively in front of them. Um, I think if someone says, oh, she's very shy, isn't she? I think you, you would say, oh, well, I think that she just likes to take her time to look around and get used to the situation. So I think it's also how we present that to that to our child, our children and, and, how, and what, what, what self-image they have about it. And obviously starting with sort of babies, you've got a shy, shy child, you know, that sort of manifests itself in not wanting to be picked up by anyone else, often sort of clinginess, which is difficult as a parent to deal with. How would you sort of reframe it in that sort of, um, at, at that stage? I think um, at any stage, relating it back to your own personal experience because a, ch- a shy child will more than likely have at least one shy parent or a parent who has experienced shyness in their lifetime um, so that parent whether it's the mother or the father will have their own personal insight into shyness and if they felt that they were pushed a bit too far out of their comfort zone when they were little they're more likely to be overprotective so if um, the little you know their little baby cries when separated from them um, they can maybe can't bear their distress for that long at all so we'll immediately get baby back and just comfort baby and in a way from from the start as parents if we over protect our shy child then it's more likely to exacerbate the shyness and make it more of an issue like Tanith was saying um, so even when they're very little being able to promote bravery and courage and not label baby as, oh, no, she doesn't like being with anybody else, or no, he's not comfortable if he's not with me. Um, we need to kind of tell ourselves different stories that from, that from your child's very first few months, we are giving them the option to be what they can be rather than what we define them as being. And I suppose seeing it from their perspective too, that the idea that, you know, us adults, we know that when someone leaves, they'll probably come back again. And I guess... Babies don't know that, don't, mm-hmm. do they? They've never, that's ultimately the root of sort of separation. And so sort of understanding that when a baby does get really distressed, it's not that they're being difficult or they're excessively shy. It's just they haven't quite worked out that you leaving means that you'll come back. Absolutely, absolutely. If you think as survival, I mean, who's the baby that's going to have more chances of survival thousands of years ago? Is the one who would absolutely scream blue murder if separated from their parent. So it is a good survival strategy. Um, It's just, um, and there are certain spikes at nine months and 18 months, babies and children are far more likely to um, protest at separation. But it's how we, as I say, how we kind of see it and how we define it as parents and what distress we can tolerate um, in our children. 
um, that will sort of influence how we respond to it. So the recommendation is not to sort of give in completely and say, fine, I will just be with my baby the mm. whole time, but to do little separations and to reinforce that you will be coming back and try and get them to understand that it will be okay. Yeah, I mean, I think as parents, what these children have, uh, sorry, is to sort of calm their very, uh, their fight or flight reflexes, because I think what the research shows is that they have highly sensitive amygdalas, which is the kind of the antennae for threat. So that rather than say, oh, you know, get out there and, you know, go and go get involved in the party and what are you doing still standing by me? We have to sort of parent them with a deep sense of empathy and just say, well, do you want to sit here and look around for a bit? And, you know, and rather than just throw them in the deep end of the pool, you know, show them that they can dip their toe in the water slowly and just slip into the water step by step. I think also what is really a little bit um, something that parents have to look out for is that when they are, say you take your child to a birthday party and your child seems to be to you the only one who's hiding behind your skirt, you get very triggered. So then your fight or flight reflex then kicks in then you get anxious and then you don't parent from the best place. So you also have to manage your own stress responses so you can, can't, you can also help calm your child. And they're able to deal with that. I mean, I think the sort of shyness thing, it sort of gets worse as children are expected to be gregarious mm. and fun-loving and they must love nursery and school because it's so fun and, mm. you know, and that possibly gets sort of harder and harder. And also you can't avoid school. You know, when you, when you have a sort of small baby, you can say, fine, I'm not going to bring them into these, these, these environments that clearly she's not very happy with. But obviously when they're starting school, then the shy child is often the one that struggles a little bit. How do you manage it then when you don't have so much control, when they do have to be in school, but they might not be enjoying it? I think this, um, this sort of highlights the very fine line between shyness and social anxiety. So social anxiety being someone where there's a threat about being with other people that you fear they're going to judge you negatively and think you're silly and stupid and force you to do things. Whereas shyness is more of a quietness and a just wanting to observe and just sit and look around and then figure it all out rather than just plunge into it and I think as parents and as teachers we get very mixed up with the two and it takes a little while just to unravel it and think what is happening here if your child's quite shy all it will take is just quite a few conversations with the teacher just to kind of let them know this is what my child's like it takes them a little while to get warmed up and then just keep nudging your child very gently into school um, and that's a very different approach to the social anxiety if your child is experiencing social anxiety which is making them find it very hard to separate from you then that's kind of a quite a different approach because you've got to talk about the threat then about nothing bad's going to happen no one's going to think badly of you um, so it's slightly different things to do you can't do anything wrong by doing both for both um, but I guess it's just sometimes thinking if I have got a shy child that doesn't mean they've necessarily got an intense anxiety they're just someone who's like I say, who's quiet and watchful. Mm. I mean, what I found in the friendship maze, um, my book on friendship, is that um, shy children have just as many friends, but, I mean, they may not be the most outgoing children, but they have very intense, good friendships. So they may not be, you know, queen bees, but they also have their own social circle, and they're very happy within those. And also, I think, as parents, we tend to um, really over-egg the importance of social status, and that puts uh, our children under pressure. Whereas I think if we say that that's fine, you know, you have good friends, that's all you need, you don't need to be queen of the class, you know, you don't need to, you know, have a clique, mm -hmm. you know, just, just be happy with what you have. Yes, and I think a lot of shy children aren't unhappy, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, they're fine, yeah. they're fine with who yeah. they are, um, and it's just, it seems to be the adults around them who expect yeah. everyone to be happy and right in the centre of things all the time, 
that's where the sort of slight dissonance can create a bit of unhappiness. Um, but something that Tanith was picking up on, that actually um, there's a whole, whole spectrum of shyness. It's not just you're shy or you're not shy. All of us are shy in certain situations, and all of us will not be shy in certain situations. Yeah. And it's not just kind of blanket labelling your child and getting confused yourself when you see them so happily playing and shouting with all their friends, and yet they're clinging to you when they're in a slightly different situation. I think as a parent, it's easy to think, um, oh, they're having me on, or they're somehow manipulating the situation. Actually, they're not. It's just when they're comfortable, they're not shy. Uh, in certain situations, they do feel shy. I remember so well that shyness of meeting new people, especially new like new children. So if we'd like meet friends of my parents or their children, and we'd, we'd be told, please say hello nicely. That I remember it to this day, that mm. crippling shyness that you know, wasn't really present in any other part of my life, but in that situation, and I see it now with my children, they just turn into little mice. And it's quite frustrating for the parent because you don't want that shyness to be interpreted as, you know, rudeness, mm. that they haven't said hello and mm. they haven't made eye contact, which for me is really, really mm. important. But at the same time, I try and understand it from their point of view. And, and very often it just dissipates, doesn't it? And in those situations, you know, you give them 10 minutes and they're roaring around the garden together and they're thick as thieves. Absolutely, absolutely. And if in that situation you start getting het up, as yeah. Tanith was saying, if your flight fight yeah. um, sort of reaction has been triggered and you're starting to say, no, look at them, um, then their anxiety is just going to build up and it's all just going to go a little bit pear-shaped. So as, as you say, you used your personal experience to understand how your children are feeling and just think right here I'll just keep it low-key I won't put masses of expectations on them you know any friend who's a friend of mine will know my children are lovely and even if they don't look at them in the eye or say hello you know I'm not that's that's not going to mean that they're critical of them and it's just trusting that and then as you say 10 minutes later they're absolutely fine and I was like you I was the, the kid in the corner who couldn't quite bear to come out and say hello um uh, and yet as you grow up, you learn certain ways of managing those situations, but also you realise, I'm not shy in every situation. Yeah, yeah. I know my husband was really shy as a child, and now he's a TV presenter, he couldn't be less shy. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting, because when we were having, when I, when I was observing my children, the shyness when they met new people, I said to them, listen, I remember being this shy, and I remember how awful it was, so I, I totally get it. But what I also worked out is that if you're sort of, just try and give them a strong hello and shake their hand. Mm. That makes it so much easier. And I said, just try it out. Mm. Just trust me on this one. Just try it out once. And they both said, actually, that was really good. And mm. that did make it feel so much easier. Yeah, I think um, give them a first thing. Because I think if any of us went into a situation where we didn't know anybody, we'd be nervous. But if you, if, if, if you had something to do first, so if you say to your child, well, when you get to the party, there'll be lots of people there. But if the first thing you do is go up to the host and give them the present, at least that can visualise them. And then I think we all know from parties that once you've had the first conversation, it's fine. It's more that kind of anticipation that it's going to be bad. So arm them with that first thing that they can do once they arrive in a new situation. And I suppose also the acknowledgement that we like to see our children having like the best time at mm. every single party we, they go to. Now, if we look at all the parties we went to, they're not all amazing. There were some that were just bad because you were in a bad mood or yeah. because it was the wrong time of the month or because whatever it was then maybe the right people weren't there and I guess you know that's the same for our children it's not that you've kind of failed at parenting if your child just didn't like one party absolutely absolutely and it just goes to show doesn't it the expectations we put on ourselves as parents that we've got to have these perfect children who are always beautifully polite and well-mannered and who always have fun um, and as you say that's just highly unrealistic and, and actually we wouldn't want those children because that would mean that they're robots not children Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You mentioned it before, the sort of that what we foist on our children, that they have to be kind of gregarious and outgoing, but actually being more thoughtful isn't a good thing. And I remember so well chatting to my son and he got back from swim squad and I said, who do you sit next to on the bus? He said, oh, I sat alone. And I went, oh, what? Mm-hmm. And he went, but what's wrong with that, mummy? It was, it was just it was sometimes really nice for me to have a bit of time to myself after a whole day with all my friends. And, and I sort of looked at myself and thought, how could you even be foisting this negativity on him yeah. when actually that's probably, from a mental health point of view, the best way to look at your day, that you get 15 minutes time out to reflect. How, aware, how amazing that he had that awareness that he needed that sort of that moment to recoup his energy. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, but I, I definitely really felt that social mm. pressure mm. that you have to, mm. your child has to be the sort of life and soul of, of the party. Yeah, I mean, I think as parents, we need to separate us from that because I think, um, as I say, there's a lot of, we judge our children's popularity as a reflection on us and our sociability and there's a lot of you know it's very tempting to try and socially engineer relationships and make your child more socially powerful but actually ultimately that's not a it's not helpful for the child because I mean one of the great things about friendships is that children get to choose them themselves and they need to have that freedom to do that because that gives them a sense of mastery and you know it's the Friendships are the one thing that we shouldn't actually get too involved in because actually it's it's up to them to find who they have that chemistry with. But what if you have a child that finds that, you know, finding friends quite difficult? Because actually at school, you're always in a big group. And what if you have a child who's a typically shy, shy child who just finds smaller group a bit more easy and, you know, it finds it easier to engage one-on-one or two-on-one rather than in a group of 30 children? Is... Is it then good maybe to think about how can I make just this initial stage a little bit easier by potentially organising some play dates with children that they've chosen? Would would that be would you think that would be a bad thing or is, is that just a sort of push to get them off? Yeah, it depends what age you're talking about. I mean, certainly in the sort of up to the age of sort of eight or nine, it's great to have one-on-one play dates so they can really practice their social skills. Mm-hmm. And younger younger, you would want to be doing a lot of role play. Um, you would also want to be showing them some social skills to, because uh, there are techniques that, in which they can get involved and they can join games. I mean, they may not have the body language which tells other children that they want to be they want to be included. Um, their eye contact maybe could be improved. They could learn to maybe smile and introduce themselves. So there's also a set of social skills that you can also teach children. But also, like children have their own set friendship temperaments. I mean, not everybody wants to be in a big group. I mean, as we said earlier, it's very some people are very happy with just three or four or two or three really good friends. Mm. And I think the thing with shy children is that it's not that they find it difficult to make friends, it's they find it difficult to 
enter is that very, very first step, mm. isn't it, of getting into a position where you can then make friends because they're perfectly able to make friends. But it's just being helped or nudged into that position. Um, so, for example, preschool, you know, you could have play dates arranged, very, very short play dates with people, um, children that they feel relatively comfortable with and you're there and the other parent is there and you can just help scaffold and structure it a little bit. Um, and then once they get to school... It's, you know, children like water, they'll flow into all the bits that they need to go into, basically, and they will figure out their way. But if you can do something like just identify somebody who they might know from swimming or from ballet or you know, rugby tots or whatever, that they could say, oh, look, there's, there's Jack or there's Bella. Let's go over and say hello. You can, you can break that seal, which then means that they're able to use all the natural skills to then make friends. So I think in a way they can make the friends all right. It's just putting them into... The, the position where they can do that. Mm. I was talking to someone recently and she said that her child, her daughter, has no problem making friends, but in school finds it really hard because Mm. there's just a big group and Mm. maybe there's a a social dynamic there with certain parts. She says, you know, out of school, she's got plenty of friends, Mm. but, you know, it's been four years now and she's not Mm. really that fond of any of her classmates at school. Um, I mean, in that situation, would you say that sort of maybe starting to foster those friendships in the home environment? I think in classrooms and schools, it can be, uh, it's quite a restrictive environment and these classrooms can organise themselves into um, quite set hierarchies. So I think what I would say often is to, um, for children to really develop those friendships and value those friendships on the outside of, of school and basically get some of their self-worth and their feelings of social competence from, from that. I mean, I think if you make school the be-all and end-all, because there'll always be fallouts and bitchiness and upsets in school, but if you have friends outside school who aren't part of that very, very um, intense hierarchy, that can really help your child. But also, I mean, I hope that, I mean, you wouldn't want your child to feel like a... It may be that she's... I mean, if we spent all our time with the same 24 people for five years, we probably get fed up with them as well. So I think let's try and see it from that child's point point of view and as long as she has good friendships outside school then encourage and and empower her to have those and I think as well as parents we will start worrying about it more and then we will start saying things like have you found anybody yet in your school that you in your class that you like and it's that slight hopelessness with which we ask it you know instead of saying um tell me about your top three girls and boys in your class that you would like to be friends with and you're kind of forcing them ever so slightly into into looking and noticing characteristics that they quite like because maybe by that time your friend's daughter would have just written off everybody just right that's it four years I've made no friends and I'm never going to there might be just that one kid it might be a boy or a girl in the corner somewhere that they haven't quite noticed or paid much attention to that could be the one so it's just to keep um I talk about it as um spotlights sometimes when we get quite shy and quite socially anxious it's like the spotlight just turns on us and we're sort of dazzled by the bright light and we can't even notice anybody else whereas it's about turning that spotlight out and just having a look around is there anybody else who looks a bit like me when we're doing this or anybody else who just can't get their shoes on for pee like me or is there anybody else who always has packed lunch on a Thursday like me something where they can just turn the spotlight out have a look around see who's there and just be open and it will it will happen in time but as Sarah says if it doesn't happen at school that's fine you know some people don't have that many friends at work but loads outside work it just depends what position you put yourself in when you get to school as well if she goes in there and thinks right this is about work and I need to study and I need to do hard and I need to be conscientious and I need to be the top of the class then maybe she's not actually 
got much energy or time to think about friendships either. Mm. And do you think when children transition into the sort of teenage years and you're contending with hormones as well, shyness potentially becomes more difficult to manage? Mm. It becomes slightly different, I think. It becomes a fear of judgment. I think teenagers already have an invisible audience, so they're already very conscious of how they're being judged. So if they fear they're going to be judged negatively or they think the person they're talking to doesn't think they're cool enough or pretty enough, then that's often what drives um, you know, teenage shyness. And do you think there's anything we can do? Is it just something we just have to expect, embrace and know that it should get a little bit better? Or I think what happens a lot with shyness is that we think we're going to, we have to be sparklingly witty and intelligent and interesting in everything we say. I think what we need to say to teens is just to actually just listening and actually just being really interested in the other person, being curious. You don't have to be, and not everything you say has to be brilliantly funny. So maybe lower the expectations. I think what teenagers also have is a negative voice which says, oh, they think I'm really boring or I'm not being interested enough. And I think maybe you can train them to sort of talk back to that voice and say, well, actually I have value, you know, I'm interesting, I've got, talk about this I'm funny sometimes but not all the time but just yeah just counteract those negative voices and I think by the teenage years you as a parent and your child will have accumulated some evidence to prove and to reassure themselves that actually being shy is not an obstacle being shy just means it took me a few months longer than everybody else to kind of get settled into school happily or find friends but by then I think there'll be most most children will have some idea that actually being shy doesn't get in the way um, and, you know, we mentioned about a script about going into a party and going up to the host or shaking hands. With teenagers and older children, it's much easier to start thinking about those scripts. What can you do? What can you rehearse that when you do go into a new situation, you can act this out? Um, and we all feel a bit easier acting out something and acting as if we're not shy. Um, and that can then just ease a transition to that new thing. So I think teenagers are a lot more open to that as well. You mentioned that a shy child is much more likely to have a shy parent. Do you think that's because genetically shyness is inherited or is it acquired? Because obviously children model their behaviour on their parents predominantly. Mm. Or, um, or is it a combination of the two? Yes, I'm afraid it is. Uh, it's, it's a really good question. I think we don't still don't exactly know, but chances are it's 50-50 that this uh, quite a big genetic element um, but also babies watch you from the moment they're born and even things that you can't even imagine that they've taken in they've taken in and think this is how you do it this is the norm um, so and if this you're, is what I have to be worried and this, about and yes and this is yes this is the stuff to be worried about and this is how I deal with this worry um, so if you're the parent who when you get to a toddler group you just kind of stand a bit at the sides and you look anxiously around and then you check your phone and then you you know after five minutes think oh, this is unbearable and leave even if your baby's six months in the pram at that point something's going in about ah oh, okay there was a big threat there we had to leave they'd certainly be watching your uh, eye contact and your body language and your facial expressions so i mean sometimes it might help to do a little bit of work on yourself as well just to mm. kind of present the right messages with this script you know do that act as if yourself as well think right I'm going to walk into that toddler group as if I'm a really gregarious and um, uh, yes I can't wait to meet everybody and you go there and you play that role and then within a few minutes actually once you're having those first few chats it's it feels fine and then your baby will notice that and pick up on that so it's it's uh, it's it's a it's a hard task being a parent and trying to role model everything perfectly. But if it's something that you're worried about from your life and you're worried about for your child, it might just be worth, like Tanis says, doing some work on it yourself. Just even thinking about it. 
And presumably then when they're teenagers, you can also then admit to them that you're shy too and that mm. you totally get where they're coming from. Mm. But what you've learned is, you know, what you've learned. And you can do that before the teenagers, you know, when they're six, seven, eight. I think they're old enough to understand you when you say, you know, what, I do. I really do know what this feels like. And um, this is what I found really helped me. Do you want to give it a try? Um, so using that as a, a constructive way rather than um, I know how awful this is and I won't ever expect you to go through it yourself and sort of avoiding the situations. Do you think there's a peak point of shyness in, in childhood or adolescence? Mm. I think apparently it peaks between two and four mm. and then it will peak again in early adolescence, probably when they're very aware of that audience with 13, 14. I think so. And then maybe transition points, you know, maybe from mm. junior to secondary school. You know, it'll bring them back to their default position a little bit where they'll probably just be a little bit quieter and more in the periphery for a while. Um, and then, you know, in primary schools around the age of eight, girls in particular can become, oh, so catty um, and quite sophisticated in their social um, manipulations. So if you're quite shy, then that might be a time when actually it kind of comes back a little bit because you think, I can't keep up with them. Um, so there'll be little peaks, I think, all over um, their development um but it's just returning to the same basic principles you know you're not just shy you're someone who occasionally in certain situations feels a bit quieter and just needs to watch to see what's happening before you get involved and also i think you know as you said embracing the positivity of being shy it's sort of it is socially regarded as a negative you've got a shy child oh poor you yeah. Whereas actually you know what would you say are the biggest benefits of being shy yeah absolutely i mean just being thoughtful and sensitive and observant and you know, yeah, looking into yourself. I mean, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, we want we had a load of Borises, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and I think the greatest authors uh, were shy children. You know, they're, they're just being an, an observer, and you're not so kind of uh, caught up in having to be in the centre of things. That actually, you can just stand back a little and just watch and notice and observe. You know, you become a master of humanity um, in in a way that someone who deals with new situations but just flinging themselves into it will never quite get so there's a lot of benefits to, to and being that ability shy. to listen that's mm. a huge that's huge, huge yeah <laughs> absolutely well thank you so much um as the parent of a shy child i've absolutely loved this conversation and i think reframing it as something that's really positive is something that is easy and cheap and uh, obviously going to be really effective it makes total sense um your book i love so ang harrod and Tanith have co-written a book it's called what is my child thinking i've got to say i devoured it um it's basically a series of scenarios interpreted so that you can understand your child's mind it's a bit like kind of looking inside their mind so mm -hmm. i'd highly recommend that and i hear there's another one on the way can we talk about that yet or oh, not yeah. yeah what's my teenager thinking <laughs> <laughs> please have that published by the time my children enter that teenage they will be out next year so Perfect. we'll be ready for you well thank you so uh, What's My Child Thinking is available from Amazon and all good bookshops presumably mm. thank you all for downloading another episode of The Parenthood please don't forget to subscribe rate and review us it only takes a second and it really helps boost us in the charts you can follow me on Instagram I'm at marina.fogel but in the meantime thanks for listening and from Tanith Angharad and me goodbye <laughs>